Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who called herself out on hypocrisy today. A few weeks ago, I bitched about young adult media, and then I learned that the 1998 Animorphs TV series was up on Prime and binged the entire series. Thanks for keeping yourself honest. I don't even remember you bitching about young adult media or like TV shows. It was the patron chat. Oh. Like, or at least like tropes. And I was like, I swear off all young adult media. What about Avatar The Last Airbender? That's Y7. And it's one of the best shows ever made. I didn't watch that one as a kid, so I have no nostalgia for it. And watching it for the first time as an adult was really challenging to wonder, like, well, why am I putting the fate of the universe in the hands of a literal seven-year-old? Because he's reincarnated. He's the Avatar. And he's 12. He just seems young. Not that 12 makes it a lot better, but he is reincarnated. Anyway, I watched it when it came out, but I was also a junior in high school when it came out. So I can't say I was like a kid, kid. I love that show. And they're making a live action. And this time it actually looks really good. So I'm very excited. Anyway, I'm Bravada, the girl who tangents already. So. Oh, but I love your tangents. And if you are new here, welcome to our beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking. Because we are definitely not young adult media around here. Oh, no, we are not. Um, Or from the deep emotional connections built between two or more characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler free, then this is not the podcast for you. So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, N7. And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume that you have some background knowledge of the game and character in question, but we will be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. (sighs) Yes, and today, guess what? We are still in Thetis. Like I said last time, we're going to be here for a while. Uh, Today's love interest is just as flowery and fairy tale as Cassandra, just a bit more traditional in its presentation. While Cassandra subverted her trope as a warrior woman by being girly and liking flowers and poems and romance, today's character subverts her trope of cunning dignitary by being adorably innocent in the ways of love. 
Today we are talking, of course, about Lady Josephine Montelier of Antiva, Ambassador of the Inquisition in Dragon Age Inquisition. Has the Chantry truly promoted such peace? Andraste's chant is familiar across kingdoms, a source of many shared customs. That is the crucial point. Common ground is the start of all negotiations. So if everyone listens to the chant, things will be smooth as silk. I did say commonality is merely a beginning, but it's an important one. We must learn to think beyond our own wants to secure peace in Thedas. How did someone so lovely and selfless go into Orlesian politics, Lady Montelier? Well, that is, uh, really, you give me too much credit. If you didn't gather from her title, Josephine is a noblewoman. She's actually the firstborn heir to the noble house of Montelier from Antiva and is an eminent diplomat. And yes, I will probably fuck up her name more than once tonight, calling it out right now. She has a stunning resume before she becomes the ambassador to the Inquisition, serving as chief ambassador from Antiva to Orlais for years, and due to that role, has gained keen insight into the game of Orlesian politics. Josephine is one of three advisors to the Inquisitor as well, serving the important role of massaging the delicate nature of Theodos' wealthiest classes and gathering allies through her influence. She is extremely adept at her job. She's a force of nature and I love her. As a Montelier, she comes from a long line of major naval and trading power, stretching back to the Blessed Age. The Montelliers enjoyed their prowess over the seas, and they had strong ties with Orlais, up until some stupid noble falling out with a noble family by the name of the Duperiquettes. Someone didn't get to marry someone else, or maybe someone cheated? Anyway, they got mad and started just like dueling in the streets all the time throwing some vicious infighting and shocking betrayals, and apparently the Montilliers played too hard and too dirty because they got themselves exiled from Orlais. <sighs> Nobles. This crippled their fortunes, and apparently because the Duperiquettes always pay their debts, there is an assassination contract taken out on Josephine from the House of Repose when she tries to attempt to restore her family standing in Orlais. Uh, but I'm jumping ahead, but also exciting. Josephine hasn't always been an upstanding member of high-stakes society. But going back to the beginning, she attended university in the Orlesian capital of Val Royo. And while there, she became a bard. Now, a bard in Orlais isn't much different than a bard in D&D on the surface. They sing, they dance, they entertain, but they also spy. They are kind of a rogue and a bard mixed together. Or a harper, if you're familiar with that lore. Josephine was lured into this new life of romantic intrigue and dangerous excitement. But unfortunately for Josephine, those rose-colored glasses get ripped from her face one night in a tragic staircase struggle. This is a pivotal moment for Josephine. 
a moment where she saw a glimpse of the real world and a moment that defined how she would approach it in the future. At some point after this, but before the Inquisition, she met Laliana, and the two became besties. Laliana even calls Josephine Josie, which is literally the best. Lally and Josie, I need a spinoff series ASAP. Right on the parlor floor, in front of everyone at the soiree. Who does such a thing in front of their guests? The Duke of Kellington, apparently. And then there's coals lurking. It frightens our guests half to death. Lord Jenner still won't respond to our letters. And Sarah, can she not find a single overshirt with that mustard taint on it? Then there's Dorian. The man refuses to take anything seriously unless it suits its whim. Not to mention... Oh, oh goodness. Have we been here an hour already? It went by so quickly I didn't even notice. You're far too polite. I didn't intend to go on for so long. You must think me quite the gossip. Spending time with such an engaging woman is never unpleasant, Lady Montillier. Goodness. I'm... Well, I'm, I'm glad I haven't wasted your day. Well, I've taken up quite enough of your time already. Until next time, your worship. Oh my goodness. She's so cute. Um, this clip for me really highlights the two main facets of Josephine. On one hand, Josie is a staunch professional, a perfectionist, and someone who is constantly busy flitting from one task to the next like a hummingbird in a flowering garden. On the other hand, she is desperate for some relaxation, some friendship. She's still young, and despite how poised and organized she is, she is under an immense burden with very few, if any, outlets. She's not only trying to manage her struggling family's legacy as its heir, her she's the firstborn heir, She's also trying to manage the whole ass inquisition that's like trying to save the world. There is this quote from the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which I thought of when I thought of her, about how men are the head of the family, but women are the neck and can turn the head whichever way they please. Josie's the neck of the inquisition and the inquisitor's the head or the face. She is really one of the most important companions out of all of them. Agreed. I like that. I like that a lot. One trope used to craft Josephine is one we've talked about before on this podcast, and it is called silk-covered steel. Usually in games, this will refer to a female character that visually looks more feminine and perhaps meek, and despite her appearance, will be totally badass. In a game, badass typically translates to martial arts, like they are physically capable of kicking ass. While Josephine, she fits this trope mentally and emotionally. While she certainly could battle should the need arise, she ensures that the need doesn't ever arise through her masterful use of diplomacy. Her establishing character moment in the game is verbally destroying the Marquis de Rillion. When he was mad about the Inquisition headquartering themselves at Haven, 
She makes him reconsider and then even offers him condolences on his loss. Amazing. I love her. In this moment in the game, she tells the story of why she chooses to use her words over any kind of violent action. What made you interested in becoming a bard? I was attending a university in Valroyo when I learned about bards. There was such an air of romance about them. Stories of secrets, trysts, and fascinating people. A group of us, young gentry from Antiva, decided this exciting life was for us. I don't imagine many first-born heirs join those ranks. No. I was a rather foolish exception. During one particular intrigue, I encountered the bard sent to kill my patron. We fought. Or perhaps scrapped is the better word. Both of us terrified. We were at the top of a steep flight of stairs. The other bard threw a knife and I pushed him away from me. You can imagine the result. You were only defending yourself. But it was such a waste, Inquisitor. When I took off his mask, I knew him. We'd attended parties together. If I'd stopped to reason, if I'd used my voice instead of scuffling like a common thug, I'll always wonder who that young man would have grown into. Ugh, that one's hard for me. First of all, I think this clip does a beautiful job of describing the rude awakening from privilege she had. Because that's ultimately what this story is. It's, it's like the worst lesson and the hardest way to learn it. But she thought it was just fun to be a bard up until now. She learned that there are real consequences to those actions. There's real lives affected. It altered her personality forever. She literally like vowed off of violence because of this. And her tarot card tells us about her personality too. Unlike the other companions... Your advisors only have one tarot card through the whole game. That's not to say that Cullen and Josie, the two romanceful advisors, can't be influenced and changed in some way, but they will not have different tarot cards that represent these character arcs. Josie's tarot card is a minor arcana card called the Queen of Pentacles. The Queen of Pentacles represents high social status, luxury, success, and financial independence. When it represents a person, that person is usually a social butterfly, pleasant, loyal, socially poised, and organized. In a relationship, this person will be nurturing, generous, and kind. Most of these seem to be true, but the Montilliers aren't exactly financially independent, are they? When this card is reversed, it can mean a lack of social status financial failure, and being out of control. This card upright represents Josie as a person very well. And reversed, it represents her family's position. Visually, the card is gorgeous. But it does a good job indicating that both the upright and reversed meanings are simultaneously true for Josie. She is standing with her back to the viewer but her head turned to the right. Her right hand lifted as if she is about to interrupt and speak. Her head is framed by a heavenly glow and a detailed design to show the complicated inner workings of her mind. 
There are flowers at the bottom of the card, and both light and dark colors are used. She's wearing an ornate necklace, much too large and much too heavy. And it's hanging down her back like it's on backwards. While this shows the reversed nature of the card alongside the upright meaning, it also shows her family's legacy hanging behind her, the necklace pressed to the front of her throat, and the burden of keeping the family alive always surrounding her and smothering her ability to fully breathe. Speaking of that family burden, she still needs to restore her family's trading status in Orlay, which would then restore their wealth to them to do that. She must first destroy or nullify the assassination contract taken out against her by a formerly noble house of the Duperiquettes. So step one in this political dance is to restore the Duperiquettes' noble status because they can't nullify the contract, apparently, unless they're noble, because I guess assassins only work with nobles. I don't really know. But anyway, this kind of thing is exactly what Josephine is good at. Not even good. She's a consummate professional. This is her lane. Leliana wants to just send some of her agents into the House of Repose to steal and destroy the contract, but Josie wants to use bureaucracy. However you do it, once the contract is taken care of, that is when the romance can truly begin. Up until now, we've just had some courtly flirting and Josie being like cute and adorably flustered with the attention and not really registering with her that you're like pursuing her. It's actually adorable because Leliana will first talk with the Inquisitor about not hurting Josie and leaving them with a thinly veiled threat of how she always watches over her friends. Personally, I love this. I thought this interaction was so awesome with Leliana because I love, love, love seeing women supporting women in any form of media. So I love that they showed Leliana like squaring up on behalf of her bestie, Josie. So, so cute. Don't mess with her bestie. And then, you know, after that happens, you can go tell Josie about that conversation. I've never thought your intentions were overly romantic, Inquisitor. I, I assure you. Perhaps I should have composed a ballad then, or sent roses. What? You mean you do? We've only just... I didn't wish to presume you harbored any tender feelings for me. I have no objections. Presume away. But we haven't even known each other a few short months. How can you declare this liking for me after such a brief time together? You've intelligence, elegance, and I always delight in your company. It seems most natural to want to be close to you. I would not object to a closer relationship between us, my lady. If that sounds agreeable to you. Hmm. I'm actually quite glad Liliana prompted this talk. I suppose she was right after all. Please don't tell her I said that. I wouldn't dream of it. And the princess leg pop happens. If you've never seen this, 
It's when a kiss makes you so happy and giddy that pop, one of your feet just decides it cannot be on the ground anymore. <sighs> so cute. Also, normally at the top of the show, we say who our Inquisitor is. Like, we will be playing male clips tonight. We will be playing female clips tonight. Uh, we are playing both because uh, Josephine is bisexual. She will date either the male or female Inquisitor. Now, I don't know if Josie's actually truly bisexual or if she's player sexual. I didn't really dive into this. Does she have a conversation about who she's attracted to? Um, not, I don't know. Not to my knowledge. It kind of just seems like, because it's not only just gender, you can be any race and romance her as well. Mm. So I, I do think she technically qualifies as player sexual because of that. But popular culture wise, people consider her bisexual Okay. Okay. I guess maybe throwing in all the races, it would be a little bit more pan. Now, if you haven't gathered this by now, Josephine has a pretty standard romance trope called the Lady in the Night. It is similar to how the romance between Blackwall and the Inquisitor worked, but it's played pretty straight here, especially if your Inquisitor is a human noble man. It's a classic chivalry, and unfortunate for me, it's also a pretty chaste romance. We get lots of kisses, though, so that's nice. Now, before we get into the heart of this romance, let's take a quick mid-break, listen to some fun facts, hear from our sponsors, and thank our patrons. Mid-break dance. Oh, I think Josie would definitely want us to do the Winter Palace Waltz. I was about to say, like, we gotta do something real classy with her. Yeah. For her. She's a noble woman, after all. Josephine is voiced by Allegra Clark. She was Hecate in Stray Gods, the role-playing musical. Kesh in Mass Effect Andromeda, and two voices in Starfield, including criminal hacker turned shopkeeper Monica Bloom, and a million other games. Honestly, she's busy. Okay, but her voicing Kesh, like, blew my mind. Right? Like, Josie the Krogan. Yeah, like, her voice sounds so different in andromeda as kesh like if you guys don't remember kesh that's like the krogan counselor character for the um what's the name of the the one initiative oh the big ship that you guys land on and everyone's fighting you got that slimy little salarian trying to trying to like take over everything and then director tan yeah, Dr. Tan. Anyway, Kesh, yeah, that who's Drax's uh, granddaughter, granddaughter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, blew my mind. Wild, crazy fact. Loved it. Um, a less crazy fact is something that's cute in-game is Josephine enjoys something called Carastian candies, 
which um, are also apparently chocolate, like covered chocolate covered candies, I think. So you can get them as thanks from Magister Tilani in the Tevinter Resistance. And Josephine will note in the report that you'll have to pry them from her, quote, cold, dead fingers. <laughs> and Leliana will similarly try to claim the, quote, candied chocolates should the operation be finished with secrets rather than with Josephine. But I thought that was really funny. I also like chocolate, so I identify as Josephine right now. Like, she actually is the one Dragon Age character that I feel the most alike. Ooh, I literally have chocolate. Yeah, I literally yeah. have chocolate on my desk right now. Yeah, that's so funny. But yeah, no, I love I love Josephine. Like, I really do. Anyway, we'll get into that later. All right. She also holds weekly tea parties with the other advisors, except she calls the tea parties interludes. And now I kind of really need to see Colin pinky out holding a little teacup. <laughs> That's adorable, and I want the teacup to be too small for him, too. Like, oh, yes. Just a dainty little cup. And then the last fun fact that I, I put on here, I called it the Dalish Elf Inky Fact. Um, and I just wanted to say something I thought was really cool. Yeah, so, like, when you are a Dalish Elf Inquisitor, Josephine will greet you in Elven when you first meet her, which just speaks to her, like diplomatic status i just think that's really nice in a world where most people really don't like elves especially amongst humans and human nobility and she instead of going with that bigoted view and prejudice she just like totally water off a duck's back like just goes right in with some elven like she's just such a good diplomat you know i just love that it's really cute uh, I don't think she speaks Kunari. And if she does, I don't remember. I don't know. I never played as a Kunari Inquisitor. So that is, if if you played as a Kunari Inquisitor and you remember that, you put it in the Discord or Spotify Q&A, whatever you, wherever you can. Yes, leave it on those Spotify comments. And while you are there... Drop that five-star rating also, because as of right now, we are at 156. I would love to be at 200 by the end of the year, or 169 by Thanksgiving, because (laughs) we also take the middle of the show to thank our lovely, lovely patrons. So huge thanks, big love, major hearts, all the things to Toasty and Apollo, Becky and Daddy Bat Knight. Miss Theos and Muffiny Cake, Mackenzie and Wynn, ah, loves. Jen, are you ready? Are you ready to duel for Our Lady Josie? Abso-fricking-lutely. Yes. So, at some point... Between establishing your romance with Josie and the end of the game, she will come to let you know that she has just heard the most horribly devastating news ever. Like, do we need to sit down? She finally breaks it to us. She's engaged. 
obviously, this is horrible for us. Her significant other. And Josie is upset because she doesn't want an arranged marriage. She says she'll take care of it and we'll get out of it somehow. But before she can, you can challenge her betrothed to a duel on the war table. Not like actually dueling on the war table. You select the mission on the war table and then you go duel him in a courtyard. After that, an Orlesian messenger shows up at Skyhold and says that Lord Ortanto is waiting for you in Val Royale. It's time to duel. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. <laughs> now, originally, this is almost a four minute cutscene. So totally worth it. But we had to cut it down to just the important bits. But it's still a little bit of a long one. If you haven't watched this scene before, definitely go check it out on YouTube. It is perfection. So, here we go. I am Lord Otranto of Antigua, rightfully betrothed of Lady Josephine Montillier. Songs of your exploits are spread to my city, Inquisitor. It's humbling to make your acquaintance. It is a pity it will not last longer. Cutting you down in front of Josephine would have given a poor first impression of House Otranto to my bride. Hey, don't worry. I'll be sure to tell Josephine you fought bravely. I admire your fearlessness, but you cannot hope. Stop! Josephine. Lady Montillier. What a pleasure to... What are you doing? If I duel a Tranto to stop your betrothal, any dishonor falls on me, not your family. I would have found a way around it. The Inquisition needs you. I need you. Yet you threw yourself into danger. Why do this? Why risk everything we've built? Why risk your life? Because I love you. You... You do? He does? Yes, Josephine. I love you so much. I love you too. Well fought. Lord Otranto. I'd assumed your liaison with the Inquisitor was an affair of passion or a convenience, Lady Montillier. But I'm not fool enough to stand in the way of true affection. The Otrantos regretfully withdraw the terms of our betrothal. Thank you. Do not thank me. I know when I'm outmatched. I can't imagine a better ending. But wouldn't you be impressed by a dueling scar? My dearest lord, I love you precisely the way you are. Just do kiss me again. This is literally my one of my favorite scenes in the whole game because it's just so good. And first of all, fun fact about V, I played cello uh, when I was a kid. Like, well, not really a kid. I started when I was 15 and I played up until I went into the Navy. It's in my closet right now. Um, when that cello comes in, <laughs> in the duel, it's so good. I'm, I'm like, I'm ready. Oh, wow. Something's going to happen, you know? And obviously 
I love the scene because they say, I love you. It's so romantic. You're like, it's so classic. It's like, so technically, here, okay, I don't want to get into a too long of a rant, but technically Dragon Age is what's considered low fantasy, not because it's shitty or anything like that, but there's like low fantasy and high fantasy. And high fantasy is what you think of when you have like Lord of the Rings, where there's very strict morality systems. There's a bunch of different, um, very different cultures within the races. So like elves and humans don't live together and they are very, very different from each other. There's very clear protagonists and very clear antagonists. There's a very clear hero's journey, stuff like that. Low fantasy is when things get a little bit more muddled, like in Dragon Age. Bioware in particular likes to do low forms of the fantasy elements. Um, and so do games, just because it's, it's more interesting to us um, a lot of the times. It's more close to our real world in a lot of ways. So we've got like the elves and the humans like living together. Magic exists both in low fantasy and in high fantasy but in high fantasy it's kind of innate and it exists everywhere whereas in low fantasy it typically has a lot of rules only a certain amount of people are able to use it and those people are usually ostracized which we have in spades in dragon age so you know we have like this low fantasy world and then we have this very like high fantasy chivalry classic even mythology type dual romance happening which makes it feel so special and unique. Also, like, I'll marry you, Lord Otranto. Like, what a gracious loser. He's such, he's a definition of a gentleman. Like, he, well done, sir. Like, wow. I was very impressed with his everything, you know? That like, was pretty cute, too. Like, yeah. And okay. He can fight, and he can do everything. So I loved all of that. I loved mm -hmm. all of that. Oh my gosh, it is so good. And like the fight choreo that goes between Inky and the Lord was really well done. I I was very, very impressed by this scene. But no, the whole thing was just adorable. And I loved like the shocked Pikachu faces of everybody going like, I love you. And then what you do? What? It's uh, so good. So good. I know it's got those comedic beats. And then for me, it's like just as the scene is choreographed, as we say, I guess, like I watched that scene for female Inquisitor, who in this video was a Dalish elf, and male Inquisitor, who in that video was a human man. And it's really funny because no matter who your inquisitor is they lift and spin Josie and it just looked really funny when you were this dainty little female elf mm. <laughs> like because Josie is taller than you when you are an elf but like you still lift and spin her and I thought that was cute um, and silly yeah like they didn't change that it's not like in Boulder's Gate where like depending on whose body type is the biggest is who gets slammed up against a tree or something in the romance scene like that does change <laughs> In Baldur's Gate, but not in Dragon Age. So I thought that was really funny. Yeah, because I'm thinking about the other um, uh, Iron Bull who can romance both men and male and female Inquisitors. And I think his stuff is all the same no matter what's going on. Um, like body positioning for the Inquisitor and all that stuff. Uh, I don't think it changes. Yeah. Yeah, but he's bigger than you no matter what. So like... Mm, no, if you, if you play, Kunari. if you play, if you play a male Kunari, um, you guys are the same size. 
he he's not wider. He looks pretty wide. Are you sure? I don't know. Uh, I never played as a Quinari. Maybe he, in the boy. shoulders he's bigger, but not by much. He always seemed like n- noticeably bigger than everyone else. So I figured like it wouldn't look that out of place with him. Anyway, we'll get to him, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if you saw on the schedule. I did have to move him because best friend Eileen has to be able to come and she was no longer available on the day that he was originally scheduled. So I moved him around a little bit. To the last episode of the year. Yes, I'm aware. I'm sorry. Take it up with the BFE. (laughs) Eileen, I demand you come to this chat and speak for yourself. What? Why? (laughs) Why are you doing this to me? Or Muffini, you can text her. Going, Jen just called you out on your bullshit. (laughs) All right. I guess there is one more clip that two two more clips that we have to play and okay let's get into this one just because it's so cute you know when i first laid eyes on you back at haven i hadn't an inkling we'd become so close something suggested you were special the moment i saw you i'm glad it did these moments seem so dear Especially given your greater calling, sometimes I must remind myself that I'm required to share you with the rest of the world. Hang the world. It can survive without the Inquisitor and Josephine now and then. For now, I very much agree. Hang the world. It doesn't need us right now. We need each other. Oh. Okay, if if you guys haven't seen this clip, they're literally sitting on a couch in the Inquisitor's room in front of a roaring fireplace, and it's like sunset, and it's Josie's like resting her head on your chest, and it's just, it's so romantic and cute, and if there's something you have, don't have any of, actually, in this relationship, it's a sex scene, but they're actually Solus and Josephine are the only two romance options that don't have a sex scene and i think it makes a lot of sense for josephine to not have one um at least in this game because like she's a proper lady you Mm -hmm. know she's not gonna be having affairs like that um i don't i don't see it happening for her even though i'm not saying i i there are people who actually do headcanon her as asexual for that reason Hmm. which I think is perfectly well and good to do. But I also can see why that's just a practical thing and that they would have sex then at a later date. Um, But she's also like so busy trying to do all this stuff. She's probably just like not going to worry about that right now. They definitely kiss a lot and show little signs of like PDAs and affection and things like that. So going full ace, maybe gray ace, I could see that. Um, she's definitely not a romantic. Definitely um, not. So not an I mean, arrow. Yeah, like I read it as that they they would probably have sex. I think at some point because they the last clip we're gonna play right before it happens, you see them like like Josephine like playfully pulls the Inquisitor into the side hallway off of the main like room, the big hall where you 
do your judgments and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't know, just their body language, the way that they move seem very interested in each other in a way that I'm like, they're going to consummate this at some point physically, I think. Yeah. And I mean, even, well, it's because Josie's a lady. You can't show that. Like, that's invading invading her privacy. Either that or it could be that she still has the the standing that she's not going to have sex until she's married. Because that is what a noble woman of her standing would do. So, I totally see that. But if you want to headcanon it that they don't have sex, that's also great. Like, go for it. That's what headcanons are all about. It's not a stretch because they don't have sex at all in the game. So it's really not a stretch to think that. Right. All right. Do you want me to play that final clip? How they get together in the end? All right. I wanted to catch you. Uh, The celebrations appear to be winding down with the sunrise. I've never witnessed such a lovely sight. Nor I. Sometimes your words are so sweet, they ache. That's love. That's you. It's been good to have this celebration, free of what the future holds. Whatever awaits us, my lord, I know only one thing. I would never have you face it alone. Yeah, like, this is classic romance, you know? The, I love the way... Okay, first of all, like I said, you guys have to watch this. You gotta watch all these scenes. If you have never seen them, look them up on YouTube. Like, she's looking out at the sunset, or is it the sun? It's the sunrise this time, because the party went all night. And she says it's beautiful. And the Inquisitor looks at her when he said, you know, like, I've never seen such a beautiful sight. And he's looking at her, and he says, nor I. Like, he's staring at her, meaning she's the most beautiful sight. Mm -hmm. And that's why she says, like, some things you say are so good they ache, or I love so much they ache, or whatever she says. And I love that, too. Like, it's such a beautiful sentiment, because honestly, like, love is pain. (laughs) So much pain. But it's all good pain, too, sometimes. Like, it's a lot. And... Our little hearts aren't built for it sometimes, but like, I love that they have, it seems like they really have such a strong love for each other and it is just built on who they are as people because there's nothing wrong with having a love partially built on physical attraction and like sexual compatibility, but they don't have that aspect here right now. So it feels like um, such a, it's a chaste romance, you know, innocent like she is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Also, it just hit my brain the way that you said that. This is almost Tally done over again. You remember when Shepard and Tally are standing on Rannoch and she says, isn't the view beautiful? And Shepard's looking at Tally and says, yes, it is. That is this all over again. (laughs) And it works. It works now. It worked then. (laughs) Mm. Like, I love, I love those. Like, like I was kind of saying earlier in the mid break, um, I never, a, a lot of people really just gloss over Josephine or don't think about her because I was saying earlier that I, 
I feel like I identify the most with Josephine out of any Dragon Age character. Like for me as a person, I see mm-hmm. a lot of myself in Josephine. And um, honestly, that makes me feel like confident about myself because I'm like, Josephine is on it. You know, I, I need to be a little bit more on it like she is, <laughs> honestly. But, um, you know, I, I think people ignore her romance a lot and then her as a character because, you know, video games when you're playing them, the player is automatically just a little bit self-centered because the whole thing is wrapped around you and your actions. And you get the closest to characters where you have direct influence on them. And especially in RPGs, you have a lot of direct influence on your immediate companions. And this game is no different except for Josephine and Leliana. Those are like the only two people that you really don't have that much influence on who they are as people and how they look at the world doesn't change like you are just josephine's friend if you don't romance her and you can help her help herself and her family situation but you don't like influence the way she looks at the world or like change her character arc or her or the tropes made you know it's not like a gary situation where you like pull him out of a depression and like make, give him the confidence to be the leader he always needed to be or it's not like colin where you have to help him get or if you want to you can help him get over a red lyrium addiction or Mm -hmm. stuff like that you know like there's all these things that you can do and influence these characters different ways and josephine is pretty much the same person at the start as she is at the end and that's a really great person she's a really great character who she definitely has like some some self-growth and things like that and her station in life can definitely be raised because of you you know working for the inquisition and helping out you know settling her family issues and all that but yeah no personality wise she's still the same yeah like you can help her but that's the thing is like she tells you what she needs help with and you can do that like Mm -hmm. you don't suggest it to her or like do anything that she doesn't come up with originally aside from the duel but she even kind of suggests that herself where she's like well we could duel but we're not going to do that you know because she's not gonna do violence right but of course you're like well i want a swift resolution to this so i'm gonna duel (laughs) i can do violence (laughs) yeah josie Uh, might not do violence but i will yeah also i think she kind of gets overlooked because she's not a true companion um you know, with Colin, you can't take him out in on your party either. And honestly, it would kind of then throw off the whole power balance because you've already got a lot of fighters. And that's obviously what Colin would be doing. Um, but, you know, it's like Colin gets a lot of attention, but Josephine doesn't. And I feel we need to uplift her because, yeah, you don't get party banter with her. But you still get a lot of really good moments. Yeah, you do. I mean, I guess the difference is like Trespasser. We haven't talked really about Trespasser yet, but like that helps a lot in Cullen's favor because you can adopt a dog and get married. Mm-hmm. And like, yay, good for you guys. <laughs> Happy ever after. Um, but like Josephine, I think she does something really cute in Trespasser. And this happens whether or not you romance her, I believe. She can take you to the opera. Um and it's really cute but she says like it's it's a break for her i'm actually not sure because it came up in the romance video and it's listed under the romance section but i don't know maybe she only does it if you've romanced her anyway let us know in the comments or whatever you're looking at but yeah she takes you to the opera if you have romanced her 
and she's like oh i get a break too and we get a break together and it's just really cute but yeah you don't get married yeah i don't remember i remember a lot of the little one-on-one interactions with people in trespasser um but i was like we had spa day with vivienne I helped Cullen adopt his dog. I proposed to Iron Bull. Yeah, no, there was a lot. But I don't remember what happens with Josie. That's because she's over there handling shit. And so we don't have to think about her because we're like, oh, Josie's got it. Yeah. And then that ends up making her like forgotten. I'm sure mm-hmm. she actually, you know, what sucks that this happens, I think, in Trespasser 2, where Colin kind of says a Snyder mark of like, oh, we're going to be doing all the real work over here, I guess, because he innately values like boots on ground, trudging through the mud with a sword as more as, as real work, quote unquote. And her like talking to fancy ladies at tea parties is not work. But like, you know, she she puts him in his place and he apologizes immediately as he should because if anything her work is more important like ultimately josephine is the pen is mightier than the sword incarnate you know that is her purpose and she does it amazingly well soldiers fight battles they don't win wars like you've got to have yeah guess where those are won on pieces of paper in meeting rooms exactly so Thank Yay, you, Colin. You're Just. you're useful, but ultimately replaceable. <laughs> Just kidding. All the Colin Mansers kill V. Get her. Oh no, Colin will have his day in the sun. Also, I'm coming sure up here will. pretty soon, actually. Oh, all right. Let's wrap it up here for the night. Or else we will go forever waxing poetic about this wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, I'm actually trying to pull up really quickly our schedule to see who we will be talking about next week. Next week is Patreon chat because of Black Friday. I've moved it up a week. Oh, okay. um, To allow people to celebrate the cycle of consumerism if they so choose. Okay. I'm probably going to take advantage of sales too. the day the day after thanksgiving is more of like a food coma hangover day and nobody really wants to be like yay let's get horny about something random and talk about it nobody has sex on thanksgiving like that's not a thing ew no but after that we are covering dorian Oh, Dorian, you're up next. Mm, I can't wait. I can't I wait. Oh, okay. He's going to be so much fun. So much fun. All right. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes or on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host, Toasty where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. And of course, in our Two Girls, One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord, and come give us a follow on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash Ship. 
Our theme music was composed by the ever-talented Pipe Man Studios, and our artwork was designed by the esteemed Let's Not. Links are in the description. I have a cat meowing behind me, so please forgive me if you can hear him. I fed him before. I don't know what he wants. Okay. I'm on the Robots Rated Discord as well, and on our own Two Girls, One Ship Discord server, where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. And I have a new thing to plug. Craving a new audio drama, but you're really wanting something about superheroes? Check out Scyther Audio's newest fan-made production, The Avengers, the audio drama. Set in the same universe as their acclaimed X-Men series, experience Marvel like never before. With a talented cast of voice actors, including me, and immersive effects Join the Avengers in this modernization of their first issue as they come together to save New York City. Out now on all major podcasting platforms. When did that happen? You didn't tell me that happened until right now. I have to learn with everyone else. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So I did a little bit of voice acting cool. on the side, right? Oh, how cool. Wow. Cool for you. I, I love that for you. <laughs> That's so awesome. When when did you do that? It's been a while. Like, I, I mean, it just, it's, it's, okay, so it's about three minutes of me over this, over the entirety of the podcast. Um, and it just started coming out like it, it went to the wayside during um, the strike. Because technically it is, uh, you know, it's like it's a Marvel thing, but it's fan made. So they weren't putting out anything that was like Marvel related because they didn't want it to conflict with the um, with the strikes going on for the writers. Um, But yeah. Yeah. So go listen. Super cool. That's super cool. I'm listening for sure. Yay. So thanks for listening, and remember, the beauty is in the eye of the controller. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Nicola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's The Elden Archives, from Soft Lorecast, available everywhere.